Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa, I'm your host, and in today's episode, I'm going to cover some anti-aging tips in our Back to Basics series. Before we get into it, though, if you enjoy this content, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor and give us a rating, a review, share it on your social media. It is the best way to help us grow. So before I talk about anti-aging or strategies to prolong aging, etc., I'm going to give you a little bit of an update about myself. Um, as I mentioned last week, I am in Bogota in Colombia now. I have fully overcome my jet lag and I'm continuing on with my lean gaining uh, phase. I can really feel that this has been a challenging week simply because Bogota is at an altitude of about 2,600 meters. I'm not entirely sure how much that is in feet, but it's well over 7,000 feet, so maybe more like eight or 9,000 feet um and a couple of times during my back squat sets which tend to be you know 10 12 reps which is uh excruciating anyway for a compound movement like this but at the end i was like literally i could hardly catch my breath and i was starting to see some stars and i i don't usually get that out of breath from my strength training and and then i was like what the heck is going on and i just realized oh yes you're at altitude maybe your body needs a little bit more time to adjust um but i have been sleeping so incredibly well it is just amazing how much the quiet here in this beautiful apartment is uh, having a positive impact on my sleep and i'm going to talk more about sleep later on um but it's just it's just it's it's been truly um eye-opening like every time that I have a good sleep or a good sleep location good sleep routine I'm like oh wow this is how good I can feel and I think a lot of people um feel like that or or go about things um like uh irregularly like this in the sense of um you don't know how good your digestion can be until it's actually good you think like oh it's it's you know it's normal there's nothing wrong with it and you're like oh this is what it's supposed to be like or your skin or how you what your mood is like or whatever it is until you feel like actually what great is you don't really know that you have been having a suboptimal level if that makes sense <laughs> but all right let's get into this week's um episode topic which is essentially uh, anti-aging tips so i, I kind of want to differentiate between longevity and um anti-aging tips first of all because for me longevity means more prolonging life or um making life longer i guess whereas i think if we talk about anti or at least the, the things that i want to talk about today with anti-aging um are really meant to enhance the quality of your life even as you get older and then i think you know whether our life seizes when we're 80 but we've had a really really high quality of life up until that point that would be for me a successful aging so to speak um or whether we get to 97 and the last 15 years are sort of just like you know very very diminished quality um i think those are two different pairs of shoes and i really just want to approach this from a 
quality perspective. And um, of course, everyone is uh, entitled to their own opinion when it comes to this topic in general. Um, but yeah, for me, the objective of healthy aging would be to to look good, to feel good, and to move well for as long as possible. Um, of course, there's a lot more avenues we could go down to in the sense of mental health as well, cognitive function, and so on. Um, but from a pure health and nutrition focus, um, look good, feel good, move well for as long as possible. And and even, of course, like I'm realizing or I'm uh, totally aware of the fact that especially from an aesthetic point, things are going to decline. People get wrinkled. We get wrinkles. We we don't just like continue to look better and better and better in, or younger or the, the same as when we were in our 20s or so. That is a given. However, looking good in the sense of you feeling good in your skin or feeling comfortable with uh, your exterior, so to speak. Um, so again, for me, um, when it comes to anti-aging tips, that would be anything that sort of um, prolongs the process of aging that's inevitable in um, any case. So basically also things that um, prolong or help us avoid any kind of illness, any kind of, again, cognitive decline, but also um, avoiding things that speed up aging. And, um, of course we, we want to live, we want to have fun in life. We, I think, I think one of the biggest challenges in life really is to find that fine line between living in the moment and looking ahead, thinking about the future, planning ahead for it, investing, um, investing also in your health in the future. But again, balancing that with being present in the moment and really enjoying and appreciating the moment. I really do think that that is one of the biggest challenges that we all face. And that applies to nutrition also to an extent. So yes, we want to live, we want to, um, you know, seize the moment. Uh, but nonetheless, there are certain things that are quite obvious and quite clearly linked with some things that um, can shorten our lifespan or that can um, impact our life, particularly in later years in a negative way. And for instance, that's something like consuming a larger amount of alcohol, obviously smoking. I don't even need to talk about that, but you know, a minimal alcohol consumption is something that is advisable. Um, in order to prolong aging, even just from a, not just from a liver perspective, but also cognitive perspective, because it also affects sleep and, you know, so many things. So we don't need to get into the trances of it, but in essence, a minimal or even null alcohol consumption is beneficial for longevity and for um, anti-aging, essentially. And again, that's why I'm saying we I don't expect anyone to live like a monk. People don't need to give up alcohol completely. People don't need to consume as little alcohol as I, for instance, choose to consume. Um, you know, it's very, very few and far times between, so maybe twice a year, if that uh, a glass or even a zip but that that's just my choice and again so everyone has different needs and how much joy it gives them personally because we need to balance out the right okay i know this is healthy but it brings me so much joy in the moment um 
maybe that actually offsets some of the negative things. So for someone like me who doesn't necessarily get that much joy out of alcohol, I think it's fine to limit it to hardly ever or never actually, you know. Um, and other things that come that are quite clearly linked with a negative with impacting aging or even illness um quite negatively would be super high levels of stress or poor stress management so much of that comes down to our perception of that stress as we have um, said before but most of us are just exposed to really really high levels of stress and that kind of also means we want to limit extreme phases in our life we want to limit you know the the years the decades even the weeks or months ideally where we're just devoted to work and we're working 16 hour days yes it happens sometimes perhaps or maybe when you're writing your master's thesis and your sleep might, might come short and whatever there are going to be times or when you have kids etc but overall we want to limit those extreme phases phases where we're really just um not paying attention to certain buckets in our life and while some stress is positive and i'll uh, again explain that more later but while some stress is positive because that means we can adapt because that means that we get stronger perhaps and we develop resilience and on average i would say we all have too much stress and not enough um possibilities to manage that really well to also just like enjoy life and really actually you know sometimes it's like oh wow these last five days what the hell did i actually do and that often means when we when we struggle to like really remember what we actually did it can either mean we really didn't do anything <laughs> or it can just mean like you're in that mundane routine where there was literally like no highlights of any of your past few days and that's a sort of a sad spot if if that if you listen to this and you're like, mm, okay, actually, if I think about my last three to or five to seven days and I can't think of anything that I really enjoyed, that was like something that I that I really looked forward to, um, this should be a wake up call to look at that more closely and think about how you can implement things that bring you joy on a regular basis. It's, it can be as small as having doing your favorite workouts can be as small as treating yourself to your favorite coffee every day or you know making the time to to eat your breakfast in peace whatever it is we should have several things every day that we look forward to now moving on from that what else um is clearly linked with uh faster aging i i i guess i should say with the very high stress levels too like overtraining actually is in those buckets too um, I mean, very high performing athletes or people that like, you know, that do ultra runs for years and years and years and years. And like, no one can say that this is actually healthy long term, right? That is a lot of stress placed on your joints and, and so on. And often we even see that with high performance athletes, they often age very quickly in, the, in their in their face even um, or obviously have have injuries. So even on that front, we can really overdo it and we want to find kind of a healthy level where, again, we avoid the extremes. Um, but what I was going to get to next is just kind of toxin exposure and that might be super obvious. So, of course, uh, where we live does play a role in that aspect, unfortunately. Um, but, of course, also other things. Of course, we could count alcohol towards that in terms of toxins or just other kind of drugs, um, smoking or if people around you are smoking, but also um, things like 
well, do you live rurally or do you live in a city? And some of this we can't really change. But of course, maybe if you're in a city, it might become more important that you have a water filter, perhaps. I don't know. It really depends where city, which city you're at or that um, you pay more attention to other forms of toxins like in your plasticware in your kitchen and you swap that out for stainless steel or for glassware or um, that you pay even more attention to purchasing your um, skin and, and cleaning products organically to avoid those toxins in there or that you spend more money on um, purchasing some of your fruit and vegetables organic to again offset maybe some of the that smog in the city or um, other stressors that you're exposed to to just by your living environment and that includes also stress coming from extreme sun exposure i'm not going to talk too much about sun exposure here because a i don't have the level of expertise when it comes to that specifically and i think b everyone um, should make up their own mind when it comes to sun exposure i personally think um we should not always completely block up especially you know going out in the sun on our regular basis without any block for like five ten minutes depending on how strong the sun is where you are or what time of the year it is i think that that's actually something really really great not just for vitamin d but and in general um i do think that oftentimes people actually block up too much um on the other hand then you have the people that are like completely against it and they say oh there's only toxin and in, in toxins and sunscreen i'm certainly not one of those people either so you know you need to find your right level but the this with certainty we can say if you get a sunburn several times times per year that's very likely not going to be beneficial for your aging not in the sense of wrinkles but also not in the sense of skin cancer or potential skin cancer um now, the other two things that came to mind when I thought about uh, what clearly is going to speed up your aging process also is, um, you know, if you consume mostly processed foods, that's probably quite clear, um, just from the ingredients, from obtaining minimal micronutrients through that. Um, and of course, because that could doesn't necessarily mean but it could also be there might be a closer correlation to you potentially being overweight or at least having a body fat percentage that is um not beneficial because that is actually one of the biggest um things that are that's linked with um a shorter lifespan or also with um impacting anti-aging or longevity in a, in a negative way meaning excess body fat levels it doesn't mean we need to be super shredded on the contrary super being super super shredded is actually also not great for longevity um but on average if we're overweight just the stress that we put on our our joints our body our blood uh, flow everything else our heart by having excess body fat levels or highly excess body fat levels and that is going to certainly impact your longevity and so what what i would really want to talk more about though is what can we do now in order to prolong aging in order to help us uh, age well and get to that point where we look good feel good and move well for as long as possible um so let's start with training and um yeah i guess 
or I hope that by now the message is out <laughs> that some sort of strength or resistance training is really, really great for um, anti-aging, for longevity. It helps us keep our bones strong. It helps us stay or maintain some functionality in our muscles and, and be able to live independently, do everyday movements. Um, and on top of that, some level of cardiovascular fitness, of course, is also helpful for um, anti-aging uh, from a respiratory uh, track point of view, but also uh, like literally everything. However, um, in a lot of uh, studies as well, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to do as much um, like high intensity cardio or even just like moderate intensity cardio as a lot of people think. We already get a lot of these prolonged aging um, benefits from just walking a lot. Uh, really uh, being active in day-to-day -day life, standing more, um, walking more to get your groceries, taking the bicycle to go from... A to B, whatever it is, in some of the countries or a lot of the countries where people live longest or areas where people live longer longest, and we'll talk more about the blue zones in a minute, um, but that's kind of where some of these studies have taken place, um, yeah, anyway, called blue zones, um, people weren't necessarily like doing six days per week, really vig vigorous training and doing... I don't know, particular powerlifting competitions and whatnot, they were really just really active in everyday life. Um, again, on the contrary, if we push it too hard, like actual bodybuilders or whatever, that is not a healthy level in terms of um, countering aging. Um, actually, yes, we want to have muscle and yes, we want to have um, functional muscle and range of motion, but it certainly doesn't mean, again, being that low in body fat and having that much muscle is actually quite stressful for the body um, if we look at it long term. Um, in Again, in terms of the uh, blue zones, so we'll talk... Uh, the, there was there I guess I should say there was um, um, a book written. I think it was a, it's just a book, not actually a study. Or maybe a study. I should have probably looked at this more. But anyway, there is something called the blue zones, and they—that's five regions within this world, and where they have found that people live the longest on average. Um, on that point, I want to note that longevity and healthy aging also does kind of come down a little bit to genetics. Um, so you know, if someone has genetic predispositions to cancer or other patterns um, of, of illness or even patterns of aging when it comes to boldness, when it comes to, um, yeah, whatever it might be, losing losing hair or so, uh, th there is a genetic component to that. So I do think people should take those blue zone studies or whatever you hear about that. I think there's even a documentary on Netflix. should really take that, that with a grain of salt also. Um, but generally speaking, what they had in common was that they had, um, again, like reasonably active lives, lifestyles, not necessarily with even purposeful exercise, but really just like walking a lot. And some of those blue zones, that's like, um, I think in Sicily, so part of Italy, in um, uh, somewhere in Japan, um, somewhere in, I think... California actually also like a smaller community there um I 
believe it was somewhere around about like Alaska or no, actually more like in, in, in anyway, I apologize that I don't have the specific details of this blue zone, these blue zones. I sh should have really prepared better. Um, but the point being is they were active. They had a very strong social connection or purpose. So they were somewhat religious as well. Um, of course, like different religions, not always the, the same one, depending on where they were. And they had certain nutritional patterns. They actually did um, smoke a little bit and drink alcohol as well. <laughs> so back to my previous point, who knows, right? How much joy they got out of that. Um, but one of the biggest things was also that they had some sort of caloric restriction. So they were really of like lower body fat levels. They didn't overeat they were sometimes in a calorie deficit or you know it, it wasn't specifically monitored for calories but still it was um like if we think about the italian diet or like mediterranean diet in in, in that aspect um they they often have like a very light if any breakfast then they have a very small if any lunch and then they have a a joint dinner together where they sit down and they take their time and they chat and whatever like kind of so so it's not these huge portions that we're often used to um and that like six eight times per day or let it be four meals per day but still portions and calories overall were a very big factor um oftentimes when it comes to longevity we do hear about the mediterranean diet and I think for many reasons, that's something great to lean on because there are some healthy fats in there and there are uh, there's fiber in there. Both things have been clearly linked with longevity or having pro properties of um, fighting aging. So I guess for you to take away when it comes to diet and anti-aging related um, um, recommendations for your diet, it would be including anti-inflammatory foods, because obviously anti-inflammatory foods means they fight any kind of inflammation in your body. So any kind of toxins, any kind of illness that you might be developing, any kind of, um, uh, I guess, even like from training, if you're super sore uh, cognitively, they help even also like protect yourself and so on. So any kind of anti-inflammatory food is a great idea. Things like blueberries, fatty fish, dark leafy greens, etc. Um, but then again, like more things um, along the line of the Mediterranean diet or healthy fats, things like nuts, seeds, olive oil. Also, again, fish is also often included. Um, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> put too much emphasize, emphasis on, yes, let's include more of the wine that they drink down there. Although, of course, again, if it burns you joy, but also some um, healthy grains. Um, the thing that I often think, like if I travel in these regions nowadays, and I don't know how much part of their traditional cuisine that is, but nowadays, nowadays often I do find that a lot of their main dishes are actually like drowned in olive oil. And to that extent, I personally don't believe that olive oil is beneficial. And secondly, I also like, um, we clearly know that an excess in calories, whether it's from whatever it is coming, even if it's something healthy as olive oil, an excess in calories that leads to fat gain is more harmful then if you did not include that food and you had less calories and you were within your maintenance or even a calorie deficit. So meaning if someone forcefully includes more olive oil and drowns their food in olive oil because, oh, it's yet so healthy, um, probably not the point of it. Um, in saying that though, yes, do include or try to include 
nuts, seeds, olive oil, avocado, fatty fish, etc. in your um, calorie budget. Um, also for the way of supporting your hormones, because um, clearly, like especially for us women, also as we go through more hormonal changes, and um, we want to uh, support our hormones, our metabolism, our thyroid, our sex hormones, etc., as best as we can as we go through this aging period. And and men just as well, you know, they also have hormonal issues as they get older. Oftentimes, also when it um, comes to 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 sexual function or when it comes to building or maintaining muscle mass, etc. So hormones. Um, um, are not just important to us for the sake of wanting to lose weight or building muscle or and wanting to get pregnant or whatever. And we should really always try our very best to take care of our hormones, meaning um, at least keeping with at least the minimum recommended intake for, for fats. I would say that should be at least 25% of your overall calories or about... Um, about a third of your goal body weight or healthy body weight um in uh in calories from fats if that makes sense <laughs> so if i'm 130 or 120 pounds let's just say um uh, a third of that would be 30 grams of um of fat essentially is the absolute minimum and that's very low in this instance so i'd rather go with you know the 25 percent of the overall calories um but yeah these these blue zone diets they did actually also include um quite a bit of healthy fats but also saturated fats which was another thing where people were like mm, is this really there was really one of those blue zones and again i apologize i forgot the name or where that one was and it, they had a lot of the dietary fat coming from coconut and coconut oil coconut milk so it was clearly something like you know an island nation perhaps um um i think that i think it was somewhere in costa rica as well and um, that was included there but anyway um Another thing in terms of diet um, really is also more um, fiber, to include more fiber. So a very big red flag here for things like the classical keto diet. Nowadays, there's like keto with fiber or keto with whatever, you know, where they actually pay attention to that. Um, or like even the carnivore diet even more where it's like, yeah, no, that's not the point of it. Fiber has been clearly linked with um, gut health in the long run and with so many other positive health outcomes so I would really say if you can and your gut tolerates it again there's a big um, personal variance here but if you can try to really include at least 10 to 15 grams of fiber per 1000 calories consumed in, in your day-to-day -day diet um, ideally also from some cruciferous vegetables because they do help us the best with hormones but I realize that there are also people that have um, gut health issues, for instance, things with like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or um, irritable bowel syndrome or just in general that don't tolerate things like beans or cruciferous vegetables quite that well. Still on that spectrum, I would say that most people can find to the three, four, five vegetable sources um, that they might be able to tolerate um, quite well uh, that are slightly higher in fiber perhaps. Um, or if it's, if let's just say like some people have issues with oats, maybe they can consume more of the quinoa or maybe you have issues with um, broccoli, but you actually tolerate cooked, very well cooked, um, you know, kale quite well or in a smoothie or so. So yeah, think about that and do try to get your fiber in. More is not always better, especially if it leads to constipation on a regular basis or issues with sleep. So 
caution here, uh, but still fiber has clearly been linked to um, longevity and helping us fight aging as well. Um, I would also add hydration here, really staying hydrated, keeping an eye on hydration because it helps us flush things out. It helps us flush toxins out, keeps our um, liver functioning really, really well. And I think you can often also really see that in someone's skin. If they're pretty well hydrated, they have a very different glow than someone who's like constantly looking dry I guess or it's more like a leathery sort of look no one really wants that <laughs> right um, now uh, moving on from the fiber to protein which is a bit of a controversial topic here because when we're just talking about longevity lower protein intakes not low but lower than we perhaps practice in like bodybuilding or even just general generally for hypertrophy um have been a little bit more linked to longevity because protein is hard to digest and it's difficult for, like it's a lot of stress for your gut so when we're just talking we're not talking about aesthetics here we're not talking about performance here we're literally just talking about living longer and um yeah doing your gut something good long term intakes were probably oh, intake takes closer to like 0 0.6 or 7 8 sort of grams per pound of body weight um are probably a little bit more <clears throat> excuse me gut friendly than the classical one gram per pound of body weight or so however i want to say there's a fine line because of course we want to foster muscle mass mass to an extent um, to a healthy level and to so to a point where we can maintain it. So is it better, the question now being like, is it better to have less muscle mass and less stress on your gut? Or is it better to have more muscle mass and more stress on your gut? gut? This is like next to impossible to tell in with any kind of study or whatever, right? So, you know, I would say, again, avoid the extremes. Avoid having really, really low protein intakes, but also avoid really like constantly having 1.6 or 2 uh, grams of protein per pound of gold body weight. That's just a lot of unnecessarily high stress, especially because um, studies clearly show that you can maintain or even build muscle really, really well with 0 0.8 or 1 gram per pound of body weight. Um, now, going back to the healthy fats or uh, saturated fats, etc. So we, again, for hormone health, we want to have healthy fats, but also when it comes to cholesterol, which obviously impacts our longevity, um, but also just in general, um, our, our total well-being and, and even our perception, like to the extent of how we, um, how we develop our hormones and of course, hormones then being linked to how we look, how, how we train and so on. So monitoring cholesterol, monitoring, um, insulin as well, two of the biggest levers that we can pull when it comes to longevity and anti-aging. And on that aspect, again, like getting to a healthy body fat level is probably one of the best th things that we can do, but we should in any case address um, insulin, uh, which can also be something of interest or difficulty when we're lean, actually. So looking at meal frequency, looking at um, how we're breaking our fast, looking at all these things, um, really, really important when it comes to insulin. And speaking of fast, um, oftentimes when we talk about anti-aging or longevity, fasting is thrown around so much and all the benefits, blah, blah, blah. But most or many of these studies are either longer term fasting, so more than a day or two, 
where they're saying like, oh, cell autophagy. So, you know, the body's um, ability to get rid of unnecessary or sort of dead cells and renewing these cells quicker is faster when we're fasting. But again, attributed to when we're having longer fasts. So it's not really with the intermittent fasting linked to any of that or so. Um, But still, so like, again, if people do long-term fasting um, alternate day or, you know, a few times a month, like, two days, three days, no eating and so on. Are we actually doing ourselves harm when it comes to like, oh, now that's impacting my muscle mass? Um, I do think we can pretty confidently say that fasting overnight for like 10 to 12 hours is very beneficial for everybody's gut and everybody's sleep. So speaking of sleep, this really is one of the biggest quote-unquote hacks when it comes to anti-aging strategies. Uh, we want to get a good quality and quantity of sleep. I will probably say this almost every podcast episode, particularly when it's back to basics because how much more basic than sleep can it get? <laughs> we want to have a dark room. We want to have a quote-unquote cold temperature, not so cold that you're freezing, but you should want to crawl under the blankets and, and you should not wake up with night sweats or anything like that. Should be quiet. There should be no interruptions, ideally. So no pets in the bedroom, certainly not in the bed. The bed is just for sleeping insects. It's not for watching anything on your TV, on your phone. Um, maybe some reading, yes. But aside from that, when you enter your bedroom or at the latest when you lay down in your bed, your brain should know this is the location for sleep or sex it's not for nothing else uh our our brains are actually really really smart when it comes to creating a connection between a location a physical location and what we're supposed to do there and that's why it's tricky when we're like so used to like eating on the phone on the phone on the couch every single evening so because as soon as you sit down your brain's like okay where's my food i want to i want to munch now Sometimes it even helps to just like stay on the ground and do some stretching instead <laughs> or sit down on a different um, spot on the couch. And then it's like, oh, this is weird. All right. What's what's this spot supposed to be designated to? But yes, I can't say it often enough. Make sleep a priority. Make sleep, at least sleep quantity a priority. It's going to help you also with cognitive health, health um, and cognitive Preventing cognitive decline, which is something that I'm sure everyone is interested in as we talk about aging. So I guess we can, again, mention a few things um, in terms of supplements that people could, can take. And the list here could be, I don't want to say endless, but really long. I could include things like collagen might have a benefit for hair, skin, and nails. Uh, could include things like tart cherry juice is high in vitamin C and therefore helping with stress management when stress is really high. But I want to, you know, I want to talk more about the basics here. So I would really say omega-3 very confidently helping us as an anti-inflammatory on a regular basis. Magnesium to help us sleep better, relax better, um, just nerve, nerve function. Um, zinc probably as well to help with stress management. Uh, a vitamin D, and then most other things are gonna be um, person dependent. Whether you need a calcium, whether you need a vitamin B12, uh, or whether you want to invest in ashwagandha, which could help with stress management, but is really pretty new in terms of the research. Um, but the thing that I also don't want to neglect to mention, which is showing more and more 
benefits according to recent to recent research when it comes to cognitive health and preventing cognitive decline as well is creatine creatine monohydrate i would really recommend literally anyone who doesn't have an adverse reaction to it to take it um even they have done studies even with teenagers with um people that have inclination towards uh, you know alzheimer's or or i guess family history of alzheimer's and dementia etc so do yourself a favor put that on your list even if you think it's just for physical performance it's really not there is more and more evidence supporting the fact that it's also helping with cognition um and of course having a healthy mind mental state um cognitive function as we as we age is going to be so important for our social interactions too and going back to the blue zones that really is another big part that seems to um help us prolong aging <laughs> or with longevity just having people around you that you love having a purpose and oftentimes people like your kids or even your dog or whatever provides you with that purpose but also just generally having a sense of contentness and it doesn't have to just come from family but we're technically group or herd creatures um some more so than others i certainly do enjoy quite a lot of uh alone time um nonetheless i'm not an island i also need other people i also need social interactions they give me a lot back in terms of energy um even like all my client uh, conversations and interactions they give me so 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 much back that is most certainly um a huge part of my well-being i literally don't know if that was gone and i hadn't wouldn't have the those con connections social connections and um the purpose that I find through my work, I would I would not be as happy, fulfilled, joyful as I am now. I know that because I've had it other ways, <laughs> and I was often thinking like, "Oh, is this normal to feel this unhappy?" Whether that was in my marriage or whether that was um, in my job, and I literally just thought that that is normal because oftentimes in movies or even with conversations with others, that's what you hear. It's like, well, it's normal that eventually your spouse. Is the person that just annoys you they open their mouth and it's just like annoying <laughs> or uh you know it's normal to hate to go to work like everyone's like oh hating mondays is you know the most normal thing in the world or just living for you week your weekends is the most normal thing in the world let me tell you it is not if you feel like uh all you're living for is your retirement or or, or all you're living for is your vacations please change something about your circumstances your life is too short for you to not enjoy it your life is too short to just be passed by you have too much to offer to this world to not step into your truth and also trust the the, the gifts that you bring to this world instead of just like letting them rot away so yes for your mental health i think for everyone's mental health it's so important to do more of the things that you want to do to gain the sense of autonomy that to the extent that you need some need more some need less for me freedom is one of my main values so i need quite a lot of it <laughs> um but you know uh there are a lot of things that we can practice when it comes to developing a not just a resilient mental state but also like a grateful um, mental state and practicing gratitude um, or journaling or reading more self-development books to find that purpose to find that sense of fulfillment perhaps if you can't really can't change a lot about your circumstances or so 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 helpful finding like-minded people even if it's um it, 
on through the internet, through groups or whatever. Don't think that you're ever alone with anything out there. Um, I can highly recommend a purpose on happiness. And uh, I forget the exact title of the podcast, but I'm going to put it in the show notes. Um, it was something called with happiness, but the podcast is the Mind Pump podcast. And they did um, an interview with um, an author called Arthur C. Brooks. He was mostly doing a book tour on his latest book called From Strength to Strength. And he basically, um, yeah, obviously goes into like how we find happiness. Um, but what I found so interesting is also that um, he said it's normal for us to go through different stages in life, clearly, but then that we have to redefine our purpose of, or yes, our purpose, I guess, and um, what makes us happy in these different stages. So it's unrealistic to think you're as fulfilled doing something in your 20s um the same thing in your 50s. And of course, you're also not going to be as good in your 20s at that certain thing is in your 50s or vice versa so really 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 recommend that podcast mind pump podcast with arthur c brooks um something happiness um so yes uh, before i let drag this on for too much longer i want to wrap it up and give you just a very brief uh recap so in terms of actions that you can like clearly take from going here, going forward from here would be if you're overweight and you have excess body fat levels, lose the weight. That's going to be one of the biggest levers to pull. Um, if you're completely sedentary, not active, get active. If you're overtraining though, also ask yourself, why are you actually doing that? Because you're like, are you an actual athlete? Are you getting paid for this? Probably not. Are you, can you feel that it's not the best thing for your joints? Maybe. Can you feel that you're actually adding stress to your body on a regular basis in an unhealthy way? Maybe. So think about these things and not, even if you've just done things always this way and you might be afraid to lose muscle or you might be afraid to lose some of your fitness or whatever, um, I can only recommend getting a coach because if we want to move, move out of our comfort zone. And sometimes the comfort zone is working out six times per week because we've always done it that way. But if we want to move out of our comfort zone, we often, often, often need an extra push and someone who oversees it and someone who holds us accountable so that we're not automatically just dipping back into older habits. Now, furthermore, with the food, um, again, 80-90% whole foods, I would say uh, consuming sufficient fiber, not over-consuming protein or under-consuming protein. Um, so again, avoiding the extremes, avoiding any kind of extremes when it comes to um, stress level at work or several years where we're just devoting time for something and letting something completely slide. Um of course, I guess with the training I should have, or with the activity, I should have specified also in terms of strength training a little bit and some cardiovascular training, helping out with supplements where needed as needed, um, always looking at prevention and, and staying up to, uh, to date with all your checkups, um, finding, again, a healthy stress level in terms of in terms of literally everything, like where you're exposing yourself to challenge, where you're getting out of the comfort zone versus um, just being super, super uncomfortable, um, emphasizing sleep and recovery and looking after your mental health, doing more of what makes you happy. Um, you deserve it. You deserve to be happy. 
thank you so much for listening. And next week, next Back to Basics episode is going to be how to stay full for longer with some strategies for satiation, um, but also just like a little bit more meal timing and frequency, I guess. Um, again, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.